Welcome to Paranormal Things. I'm your host Keith from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Rainy day. And probably a good day for us to do a recording. What I'm going to do is Destination Truth, the Yeti. So, without further ado, here we go. Destination Truth. Josh travels to Asia, trailing an outbreak of recent sightings of the abominable snowman in the mountains of Nepal. It's highly possible that that kind of creatures may exist. High in the Himalayas, Josh's search for what the locals call the Yeti leaves no stone unturned. Before I get my face ripped off by a bear. The expedition takes a dramatic turn. Get over here right now. Oh my God. When Josh makes a discovery that shocks the world. Are you kidding? I'm not kidding. Josh, Josh discovers something. In my travels, I've seen some unexplainable... We'll have to see what it is. Oh, here we go. ...which have raised strange questions. Now I've pulled together a team armed with the latest technology in the search for answers. I'm not sure what's out there waiting for me, but I know what I'm looking for. The truth. Destination truth. We all know the stories of Sasquatch, or Bigfoot as he's known among friends. Part man, part ape, and roaming around in the Pacific Northwest. Well, some say that Bigfoot has a distant relative of the Asian persuasion, known as the Yeti. Or and while I thought the abominable snowman. snowman was a claymation monster that learned the meaning of Christmas from Rudolph, there are a staggering number of people in the Himalayan mountain range who think he's very real and terrorizing small Nepalese villages. Skeptics claim that the Yeti is nothing more than folklore, fueled on by the misidentification of animals, such as the Himalayan bear, or merely the clever work of hoaxers. But what makes the story of the Yeti compelling is that sightings have been regularly recorded for over a thousand years with nearly identical descriptions. With a rash of recent sightings coming out of the region, this story was begging to be investigated. Casey would be our lead cameraman. Brad would serve as our field producer. And Araceli joined us as lead assistant. Second My team season. and I packed up our cameras, investigation equipment, and a lot of warm clothes. We're going to be in the mountains. I traveled 22 hours from Los Angeles to Kathmandu, Nepal. Due to the really cold weather we're going to be facing, we have obviously a lot of gear with us. What's in here? This is what we call Shady. Four airport officials looking over our documents again and again and again, trying to figure out some way to bilk a few dollars out of us. Everything's in order, but they keep going through it, being like, how can we charge these guys a million dollars to leave this airport? Yeah, no, just regular stuff. You got some pens, you got some duct tape, you have uh, night vision scopes. If we catch a Yeti, we're going to duct tape them to the yeah. tree somewhere, maybe? Yeah. Welcome to Nepal. We were finally able to leave the airport without being charged. Nepal. Located more than a mile Controlled above sea China? level, Kathmandu is the gateway to Mount Everest and has become a shopping mecca for trekkers and climbers. Do you have any trekking gear here? Here, some over there, some down. Oh, I see it now. I purchased some necessary gear and headed straight for a meeting with Dr. Swoyam Prakash Shreshta, an acclaimed Nepalese primatologist and expert on Himalayan Shreshta. wildlife. What do you make of these stories that people come forward with? People say that somebody have seen the Yetis. Uh-huh. It's highly possible that, that that kind of creatures may exist. Mm -hmm. Some people said that some animals have extinct. 
Yeah, Nepalese so people look like a cross between Chinese and Hindu-Indian. So human population is not there beyond 9,000 feet. Beyond 15,000, there is always the snow. The doctor helped narrow our search by eliminating populated low altitudes where the Yeti would have trouble staying off the radar, and high altitudes where harsh climate and lack of food supply would make life impossible. The area in the middle is what I like to call the Goldilocks zone. I don't like not too daily hot, motion not too cold. where they do We should look between 9,000 and 15,000 feet. Great. By cross-referencing this zone... Yes, we're going to have hesitation here through this. ...recent sighting locations, we were able to pinpoint a valley high in the Himalayas to set up our investigation. This valley represented our best possibility for success. The only problem was getting there. A lot of gear, a lot of people, not a lot of aircraft. <laughs> Our journey to the valley where we wanted to set up our investigation required a flight from Kathmandu, Kathmandu. to the small mountain village of Lukla, perched at 7,000 feet. So my team and I chartered the next flight. Hello to view. As beautiful as the scenery was, we found out that landing a 30-year-old prop plane in the middle of a mountain range is a lot like the backside of a Yeti, a little hairy. It's really, really narrow in here, not a lot of Down on the ground. We arrived in Lukla, a remote village bustling with Sherpas, Everest hopefuls, and some of the world's best Gotta do it on the way shopping. back, too. Well, not so much. As though the harrowing flight to 7,000 feet wasn't journey enough, we were still a four-day uphill trek to the valley where we'd set up our investigation. A small price to pay to get to ground zero of this story. Can we all the Yeti jokes out right now? Uh, Yeti. Are we there, Yeti? Okay, we got them all. All the Yeti jokes are out. Let's do it. Come on. Are we there, Yeti? I want to eat some spaghetti. Spaghetti. <laughs> Dr. Shreshtha's enthusiasm for the possibility of the Yeti's existence was intriguing to me. And countless stunning vistas and many miles later, this our elevation passed 10,000 feet. Kind and of my crack team, for him to... well, they started seeing things. See the, see the Yeti. Right the specials right on Bigfoot. Everything. Boom, right there, it's out in the open. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. See it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of a lot of across this way. Spin-off. Uh, oh, it's moving quick. Oh. Guys, the cow. Episode. <laughs> we pressed on, and after getting past the brutal rush hour cow traffic, we hiked another four hours and arrived at the village of Namche. <laughs> Any of you guys seen the Yeti? I talked to numerous believers in the streets. Yes, you believe? You do believe. Have you seen the Yeti? You know Yeti? No? Okay. Yeah, I can't win them all. I was eventually led to a village elder who claimed to have had a recent encounter. He saw a live Yeti. Live Yeti. And what did the Yeti look like? Like a monkey with no tail. And does he think that this looks like a Yeti? Yeah. <laughs> All joking aside, the man told me that if I hiked three miles west, I'd come to where he spotted the beast. With darkness upon us, I was here for the night, and since Namche isn't exactly known for its wild nightlife, I decided to make use of my time here and check out the man's story before setting out for our investigation site the next day. My plan was to brave the sub-zero temperatures with Brad and Casey, and together we'd look for any visual evidence of the creature. Since we'd been told the creature is nocturnal, I used the FLIR thermal imager as our eyes in the dark. The nice thing about using a thermal imager out here 
is that everything in the surrounding area is so cold that anything alive just gives off this really vibrant signature. Brad kept an eye out for footprints or physical evidence, and Casey used a camera equipped with a night vision astroscope, a military-grade unit that intensifies available light, allowing him to capture on video anything we encountered along the way. There's some giving off heat at the top, but I think it's just a remnant from the day. Certain things kind of hold the heat. Yeah, whatever it is looks stationary. All right. Whoa! You okay? Stuff is slippery. I'm gonna head up this way about two, three hundred yards. Hey, check that out, see if you see over there. I'm gonna go up into this ravine a little bit more and see what I see. Okay. What is that? That's in the UK. Hey, Josh. Josh, you there? This is Josh, come in. I think I found an entrance to a cave. All right, hang back outside. I'm going to double back with a thermal imager. We should be able to get a better reading. I'm coming towards you now. Believe me, I'm not going in there until you get a reading on that thing. Probably a good idea, Brad. A lot of folks around here think uh, Yeti's living caves. That is a cave, yeah? That's a cave. This dropping's right here. Where? They're right outside the door. I'm no droppings expert. But that's the <laughs> <of> Yeti. <laughs> that's just some big droppings. Okay. Getting any readings. There is kind of a strong smell. There's droppings outside of it, so slow and steady. Anybody hears anything? Anybody hears any movement? Sees anything? Should be super careful. Funny stuff, it isn't a Yeti that lives up in caves here. Like Himalayan brown bears. <laughs> That's not funny. Well, hold on a second. What's the plan? It's where I get my face ripped off by a bear. Destination true. You guys, it's TVPG. smell. There's droppings outside of it, so slow and steady. Anybody hears anything? Anybody hears any movement? Sees anything? Should be super careful. There's plenty of stuff. It isn't a Yeti that lives up in caves here. Like Himalayan brown bears. <laughs> That's not funny. I don't know how he could slide in being six foot two. Josh, come in. Go ahead, Josh. 
I followed the cave down as far as I can. It's just dry, dusty, and rocky. It's pretty big, though. There's an opening that goes up to the outside. There doesn't seem to be uh, any evidence of anything living in here. Some of this debris looks like it, it maybe is arranged for nesting. I don't know, but if, if, if something was living here, it's gone now. All right, copy that. You're going to come out this way? You're going to go out the other side where it opens up? I think it's too steep where it opens up. We're going to track back the way we came, try to grab the remains of this code on the way back out. back there. Pants. Pretty all ripped. It's a little weird, though, that there's, like, oh, there's no human remains in there underneath all this. I mean, I looked around. It's coat pants and underwear, basically. Right. A bit hard to tell what to make of this. Let's sweep back, see if we see anything else, but, I mean, the cold and the altitude are already chewing up most of our batteries. With camera batteries blinking red, our search for the Yeti hadn't exactly turned up what I'd call compelling evidence. And unless the abominable snowman has a habit of keeping a set of moldy clothes around for special occasions, I'd say we haven't found squat. Let's head for home, boys. Beginning of another day, headed even higher up into the Himalayas. The majority of Yeti sightings come from these trails leading to the base of Everest. My team and I were systematically searching in the promising altitude of around 11,000 feet on the way to our investigation site. My plan was to cover as much ground as possible each day and look for an environment that appears to be, well, Yeti ready. All right, so I think we should keep trekking on this path, get off in the mountains, and start doubling back down. There's a little thin up here. Whoa. I can't just stood up too fast. Yeah, can't stand up too fast at altitude. Good. You all right? All right, sit down. Air is super thin up here, so any sort of like running, standing up quickly, anything that just does like immediate exertion on your body. That, that starts to happen more and more. Everything went boom. My team feeling woozy and Everest only a day's hike away, I was reminded that nearly 200 people have perished summiting the world's tallest peak, a sobering fact of how unforgiving this region can be. So, Dow, you're our lead Sherpa. Yes. How do you feel about the Yeti? Do you believe in it? I believe the Yeti. You do believe in it? Yes. Yeti. But you've never seen one yourself? i never seen it, but I heard a Yeti head monastery. The head of a Yeti? Yeah. Several years ago, controversial Yeti remains were mysteriously stolen from local monks. One monastery still had a sample under lock and key and was only an hour side trip off our current route. Two miles and six blisters later, my team and I arrived at the monastery. Though we were told by our Sherpas that we would have no problem getting into the monastery, our cameras were not well received by the normally reclusive monks. <laughs> Can we talk to him about the possibility of, yeah. of him allowing us? Yeah. 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 
acting test that needs to include. I have good credit. No, 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 Shooting movies. The committee does not yeah, allow. Yeah, no, allowed to movies. If we can find who's in charge, because there's no way that that kooky old man throwing rocks at people is in charge. We learned that several monks who lived in the village comprised the committee that held the power to grant us access to the monastery. The problem was the committee only meets once a month, and these guys are not exactly listed in the yellow pages. As night fell, it seemed like we'd reached a dead end with the dead yeti. But out of nowhere, a mysterious girl approached us. I can help you because you are coming for good intentions, but you have to require the permission from committee. Do you want to talk to them and see if you can convince them that that our intentions are good? Yes. And see if, so you could, okay. if you could, on our behalf, speak to the four committee okay. members that are here, okay. and we'll see if there's any progress. Okay. Thank you very much. Since we were here for the night, all we could do was sit, wait, and hope that our mystery girl could pull off a miracle. Okay, so maybe it didn't qualify as a real miracle, but the mystery girl did come through for us. She spoke to the committee, and they granted us permission to see what they say is the scalp of a yeti. Where's my buddy with the rock? Yeah, that's the first guy I want to talk to. Here he comes. Namaste. Hello. Very friendly still. Yeah. Not the warmest <laughs> If this scalp is real, that would be huge. Um, and here you see some more inside here. is this supposed to be? 400 years. We're using this uh, for the big ceremony here. Very important. We have to wear this and uh, to make a scary of the... Even uh, yes. So someone from the village actually dons the scalp and wears it in a ceremony to ward off evil. But do you believe today there are still yetis alive? Yes. One of my auntie is caught by the yeti and she threw down the river. And he killed uh, about four yaks. I couldn't tell through the glass if this scalp was real or not, let alone if it was from a yeti. I needed to convince them to give me a sample so I could test the DNA. Is it possible for me to touch the scalp? Well, I'm not allowed to touch. We don't even need to touch it. If you could give us one hair, we'll be on our way. One hair. That's all we ask. What for? To prove your story to the world. Doesn't matter whatever you think. Because this is our monastery, this is our Yeti scalp. We don't care where other people, whatever they say. No matter what anyone says, it's real. Yeah. Yes. We were on difficult ground. This scalp was bordering on being a religious artifact, and no amount of pleading was going to convince them to let me touch their idol. Okay. Luckily, the river where a Yeti supposedly attacked the man's aunt was within our investigation target zone and only a few miles away. Although, at this altitude, a few miles feels like the Boston Marathon. We rested and set off at first light to find the river. We found wow. the exact location of the alleged attack right in the middle of the valley we've been trekking towards. Reports say that this seven-foot-tall half-man, half-ape forages along the riverbank at night. 
so my plan was to set up our night vision cameras along the water's edge. Casey and Brad would stay at base camp and monitor the cameras while I combed the forest along the river using the FLIR thermal imager. Along with our Sherpa tool, Araceli would join me as a second set of eyes, ears, and human bait. We were looking for any evidence of the Yeti if a face-to-face -face meeting couldn't be arranged. Be real careful here, Araceli. It's a pretty good place to slip. Araceli and I headed farther downriver and farther from our base camp. The belief is that it hibernates during the day, possibly in caves, and that it comes out at night to, to forage and feed. And so really coming out in darkness is the, is the best way to have a crack at finding it. You okay? Yeah. Fall. 
climber's helmet. What's up, tool? Catch a whole lot of anything, but boy, they caught, it, they caught this. Soil. Truth. 
Second season in episode one, the Yeti, they found a footprint or two. Since a worm walked through our casting powder. That's meant to be a permanent addition. Unless he's fast. You guys? I think yeah. there's a footprint right here. Nowhere near as clear as back here, but it does look like they someone stepped in, in here. They had a Yeti. Yeah, like that. Go through there. Or some kind of ape. Yeah, it is. And this ground is a lot harder up here. Way harder. Way more. And it's drier. It's drier, bigger rocks. For sure, that looks like a probable print as well. That's so the right, right foot right. to right foot right here. Yeah. So if you will walk. That's a huge drive. All right, we got a couple minutes while this thing sets. Let's talk about this. The skeptic would say one of a couple things. It's an overlapping print. Usually those overlapping prints tend to be squatter because a bear has more of a rounded paw and it kind of steps within it twice to elongate it, but it doesn't have this really characteristically, you know, human-looking foot. But the other thing that a skeptic would say is that somebody made this. Foot. Maybe the Sherpa made That's it. That's where it came but from. But there's no footprints around it, hanging upside down for this giant Yeti printmaker, this giant Yeti stamp. And I'm happy to call something, you know, bogus if I see it, bogus any time, any day of the week. But I legitimately don't have an explanation for it. Guys, let's get this casting done so we can continue investigating. Okay, that's one now. Okay, so here's the plan. For the first sweep, I'm going to wear the point of view camera. You have on the FLIR thermal imager. Yep. And we're going to keep the group small. We're going to sweep down the opposite ridge right. uh, across the river from where the footprints were. We have cameras live on this whole area. They're recording like trap cameras. Nobody's near them. So we're going to leave that area undisturbed, head over to the opposite bank, and kind of scout around there, yeah? Yeah. Great. Yeah, okay, let's go. All right, Brad, why don't we split up? Just keep your eyes open. Whatever made that print might still be in the area. Up. Brad for Josh. Josh, come in. Hey, Josh, I peeled off to the right. There seems to be some sort of opening in the rock formation over here. You might want to come take a look at this. You mean you see a cave? Yeah. Yeah, I'm just holding position here. If I'm not completely screwed up, it's about parallel to where the imprints that we found on the other side of the river were. Wouldn't it be nice to uh, find some more okay. inside there, wouldn't it? I'm gonna get eaten by a Yeti. I'm gonna get eaten by a Yeti. They got big teeth, they say. Yeah. Could kill four yaks. Yaks are big like cows. A lot of bugs. I mean, this looks like Buffalo it could be big. a shelter. With yeah, horns. it's definitely a big overhang. Look at all these snapped. Look at this, dude. Their twigs are all snapped and they're all sort of placed in a bunch here and a bunch here. That looks like something snapped this stuff off. We're almost adjacent to where the footprints were found. Yeah, I mean, at the very least, this looks like it could be kind of a makeshift shelter. Let's try down here and see what we see. Uh, we're just banging around here in the edge of the tree line. 
found some uh, broken twigs in, uh, Take in an overhang area. Look, look, it might have been a shelter. A lot of people kind of can study them. A little bit further down. It's really yeah, interesting. The vulnerable snowman. Let's start back up the trail, and eventually we'll cross back over to the other side of the river, go down to where we found the footprint. See something? Something hot right there. Yeah, there is something hot. Can't tell us. It looks like it's it. moving right there. Yeah. And that's that's the direction of base camp too, yeah? It's the direction of base camp and the side where the footprints were. Brad to base. Base, come in. Go ahead. We think we see something moving around on the thermal. Kind of up towards your direction. You guys see anything over there? No, nothing yet. What side of the river? It's on your side. We just, we just thought we saw something cruise right past the thermal, but we can't make out what it is. I've got nothing as of now. I've got two cameras on that side of the bank. It looks a little higher up. I wonder if it's maybe above the camera's field of view. I don't know. I saw it. I mean, you see it moving somewhere. Right, we're going to track back over to right Ward to 2. Left. Check out that side of the river. Copy. Try to give you a verbal. There's a river, not a river, but a creek going through the uh, middle of uh, Josh, the mountain, hot. you know, mount, run off from the mountain. I'm right there. It just cruised right past that. That was definitely organic and it was definitely moving. Casey, this is Josh. Come in. We definitely got something moving. It's on your side of the river. I don't know if it's above the field of view of the cameras or not, but it just walked right past Don't the frame. That, that trapezoid-type uh, beam that breaks whenever... Side of the river. See if we see anything. Keep, a, keep a close eye on those cameras, though. Got it. Right, let's get back up there. Yeah. Could be a mountain goat. Could be anything, but... It's moving. Like a, moving, you know, moving from the... Whatever it was, it's not there anymore. Right to left. Though the crew was exhausted and frozen, we stayed up all night and took a fresh look at the entire site under the light of day to look for additional prints and other evidence. Watch where you step. Never know what you might find out here. I'm not sure if it was the cold or the lack of sleep, but suddenly my crew came down with footprint feet. I don't see where. Hey, Josh. That's a boot. That's a boot? Yeah. We're looking at everything now. Let's take a look at the, um, the spot where the impression was. Yeah, for sure. We then turned our attention to reconstructing and explaining the mysterious footfall pattern we discovered the night before. The downsides of doing a casting is you destroy the original print, obviously, but right. this is where we found everything last night. It was here because it was up on these rocks. Oh, was. So that was the heel print. The big footprint was here. And we know we saw in the toe prints kind of a lifting. Right. We saw a bunch of dirt kind of mashed up that way. Right. And the next print is way up here. Which hey, obviously big boy. is an uncomfortably large stride for me. So whatever did it would have had to have been significantly taller than I am. And I'm 6'2". So I don't know what to make of it. To ensure the safety of the castings, we called a helicopter crew to fly us back to Kathmandu. Kathmandu. So do we have to pay for the cabbages? Because you took out a couple of them coming in. 
<laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Eager to avoid the impending mob of cabbage-starved villagers, we made a discreet exit from the mountains. Looking down over the endless forest ridges and valleys, I couldn't help wondering if we had actually found a needle in this haystack. It Maybe sure looks like it. I mean, upright in the forest. you guys could have sure. made what it, could not be disputed, I don't think so. Something made that print. You're pretty credible. My task now was to analyze the evidence to find out exactly what it was. What I hadn't counted on was a frenzy of international media being tipped off by one of our guides. They were waiting for me and my footprint back at the hotel. Five digits, the shape of a foot and a heel, very human looking, but also enormous. My team and I headed back to the States to further analyze all of our evidence. Air China, Catman Dude in L.A. Our first order of business was to carefully scan through the many hours of footage to see if we missed anything in the field. Okay, so what do we got on the four infrared cameras? Well, fortunately, not a whole lot. We've got at least 30 hours of footage. And besides the occasional maybe bug that kind of flash in front, there's really not a whole lot there. But I did get a hit on the thermal, though. Right, right, which happened very quickly out in the fields. We've kind of slowed down the sequence here, played it back and forth a couple times. Uh, and it's really kind of tough to tell what this is. which happened very quickly out in the fields. So we've kind of slowed down the sequence here, played it back and forth a couple times. Uh, and it's really kind of tough to tell what this is. Well, the problem is whatever it is is being partially obscured by this tree and this brush here. Right. So all we get is a small heat signature, and then it vanishes you know, into the thick there. Even the enhanced version where you pushed in here, it's still really just an orb of heat. Take a peek. Right. This is what concerns me is that I think this is the ridge that went up to our camp. Looking back at when this was shot, we did send a Sherpa back for batteries, and what I think we might be seeing here is his path up the hill. So I think we have to, to some extent, really discount this piece. Now I think we're onto the footprint. We see what that what that yields up for us. That's the key. Great. Where are they going to go? Oh. We took our castings to Dr. Jeff Bell, a professor of anatomy and anthropology at Idaho State University and a renowned footprint specialist. Well, that's really interesting. Five clear digits, dominant uh, hallux or big toe. A lot of the sand is just coming loose. I think just a little cleaning. And just so we're clear, that is not actually your dental toothbrush that you use. Oh, no, no, no. This is an official paleontological tool. Right. Just as long as you're not taking your work home with you at night. <laughs> that looks like it's the complementary heel to this one. That's a good sign, too, that there is an obvious symmetry between those two heels. It might be interesting to do a quick scan of this. And typically, what kind of insights might that give you as opposed to just looking at it? We can take other tracks and superimpose them and measure for the best fit. We will mount the cast on a turntable. The scanning machine using a laser will make a very detailed surface map by making repeated passes across this cast at various angles. Take some time. There's a, um, there it is. Well, here we've got the results of the three-dimensional scan, and we've also gotten a scan of the isolated heel of the opposite foot. Does the heel print line up with the full print? It does. By inverting that heel and then uh, allowing the computer to superimpose it, and what I see is, is a remarkable uh, agreement. So here we have the isolated heel imprint rendered in gold, the full footprint in green. It really is 
amazing how well they line up. Absolutely. And you just had that added wedge of depth mm -hmm. where the differential weight on the partial heel made it a much deeper imprint than in the full foot. The sides and the contour of the heel uh, actually line up extremely well. I mean, that suggests that we have a right and a left foot that go together. And that, that speaks God, a lot to the credibility be, of this set of Gotta be something to the Bonneville Snowman thing. from that size. This would be an extremely it looks large like a individual. Foot. 300, 400 pounds, maybe. Gigantus um, Here's one that shows your series. We do see a, a relatively conceivable sequence. This is quite telling, too. I mean, although there's a little bit of a natural kick out of some of the sand in front, I don't see any indications of claw impression. What would it take for someone to make this? It would take someone with a fair amount of knowledge of primate anatomy. Uh, the fact that the, the right and left heels are That's symmetrical is, would have required mutated, a model. Um, sure. So there would have had to been a right and left model, so that would eight. have had to been carried. Someone yeah. would have I didn't see anybody in the Himalayas with a giant Yeti yeah. uh, stamp maker. Right. One thing that I find really interesting, this is an example of a footprint attributed to the Bigfoot or Sasquatch of the Pacific Northwest, and it exhibits a configuration of that big toe that is in many ways remarkably similar. Its toe is aligned with the other toes, although they're, they're quite splayed. It's not diverging off from a lower point like in a chimp or gorilla. So what does that say to you? It means that this animal probably lives on the ground. I mean, the purpose of that thumb-like toe is to allow the animal to climb in trees. And that's suggested, too, by that broad heel, which is a characteristic of, of walking on two legs. Here's a, a bear that would be of, of somewhat comparable dimensions, and you can see the configuration of the toes. You know, there's these very distinctive these little toe pads, long or, or large toe pads with little short stems, They're, and they never show that kind of a splay. Why do you think people are so quick to dismiss something like the Yeti or the Sasquatch? I think that, unfortunately, there's often a bit of dampening of the spirit of exploration, an attitude that we've uh, basically found everything that there is to be found. But I think it goes with just the conservatism of science in general. Sure. Would it surprise you, or not surprise you, if there was some sort of major discovery found in the Himalayas? Well, I have to say that, uh, that this strikes me got, as, you got as the a proof. very significant discovery. I think that this, uh, to date, represents one of the most intriguing pieces of footprint evidence for the Yeti that I've it certainly should spur further attention, more focused effort to research this question uh, of, of an unrecognized ape or hominoid in, uh, in the Nepalese Himalayas. Way to go, Josh. attributed to folklore, known wildlife, yeah. and unscrupulous hoaxes. didn't catch but a whole lot, but they sure did there. And countless individuals who continue to emerge with eyewitness accounts. There is no doubt in my mind that there is something unknown living in the Himalayas, and much more work to be done in the search for the Yeti. There you go. Josh Gates does it again. Found uh, early in his... Uh, TV show Destination Truth that uh, the Yeti may indeed exist. Till we meet again, sleep tight.